0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael.
1: Andre, I always like how you're the one who says hello, because you control the microphones.
0: (laughs) It is because I control the microphones. It's sort of like hit in action when the directors do that.
1: Yeah, and nobody else can do it because they're the only ones who can do it. So, so to
0: speak, it's been a few weeks since uh, cuvee has come and gone. Yep
1: the big uh, the big Ontario winemakers shindig
0: and
1: best wines of Ontario I guess is what it could be called.
0: Yeah, and the event I still think is is top notch. But what I've been finding interesting, like this is going to be a review of the things we loved about the event. Uh, so don't be mistaken about that. But I, I heard more people this year kind of rumbling a little bit about how they miss the awards format and having the winemakers vote on which wines they like I actually don't know the format because I've never been to a cuvee when it was I an don't I don't think show. we should bring
1: that back in any way shape or form it was uh, it really was a show at that time okay. it uh, was not worth uh, worth doing uh, you ended up with some very weird results and um, you know there's, there's a lot of winemakers out there who have what's called cellar palate, and if they really are thinking about it, they do. Uh, and and so it's hard for them to judge other people's wines. So uh, it's probably best that, I hate to say it, leave it to the professionals to, to judge bunches of wine. You guys continue to make great wine.
0: All right. Well, one thing that uh, I really feel like is kicking into high gear at the um, event.
1: Is Henry. who uh, is
0: My dog making an appearance. Sitting on my bed in my spare bedroom, which is the Toronto studio that yep. has a tarp on it.
1: Yeah, that's right. I don't remember why you have a tarp on the room, but that's fine.
0: Yeah, we, we don't need to get into that. Another podcast at the time. Um, I am amazed at this culinary renaissance that's taking place on the entire Niagara Peninsula. Yeah, there's
1: some great food
0: being made there. And, and I'm going back to when I started visiting the wineries 10 years ago, and... There's still mainstays there, like the restaurant at Peller, the restaurant at Trius, I think, are and, and still are cornerstones for outstanding dining I- experiences. I fully agree. Um, but, I mean, they are restaurants that they are a little bit pricier. They are the white tablecloths, and you need to have that in a wine region. So this is not a criticism in any way. But uh, I think anyone... Who has been following my social media or my writing lately knows how much I'm in love with Bolit uh, and Oddbird in downtown St. Catharines, um, and we discovered Brushfire Smoke, which is next on my list. Yes. Uh, even places like Backhouse, it's just sort of like delivering top-notch um, cuisine in a less snobby setting.
1: What what I find is that when I was doing the highways and byways of Niagara. Food was like a secondary thought to the wine, where, let's say, Prince Edward County, it seemed to have come up at the same time.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. So Uh, we talked to two people. We did. Um, I make absolutely no reservations about the fact that I think Bolite is the best restaurant in St. Catharines. It's certainly one of my, my favorite places to eat, bar none it's worth making the trip down the highway to go to, and uh, we had a chance to talk to uh, Chef Andrew McLeod. We're at Cuvée, again, doing our montage thing. Are oh, you trying to reach for the mic? What do yes, you want? Yes, I Well, you're looking very dapper
1: as, as next to me, I'm not as dapper as you. And you are wearing the little geeky
0: uh, bow tie. And you're wearing no tie because you don't know how to tie a tie.
1: No, no, just no tie because I'm a little more casual than you are.
0: Okay, we are at the booth for Bolit, which is not a winery, it's a restaurant. <laughs> Are saying that we don't usually do restaurants
1: or talk about the food here at Cuvée. And why not? This year we should focus a little bit more on some of the foods that, that are being presented.
0: Well, and I was uh, in St. Catharines this afternoon. I had lunch at Bullit, And we're joined by Chef Andrew McLeod. And he was talking about what it means to prepare for an event like this. And Andrew, thanks for giving us some time. Hi, guys. How are you? Um, so first off, uh, what are you
2: serving at Cuvée tonight? So we have a vegetarian dumpling. So it's squash, shiitake mushroom, cabbage, a little bit of fermented chili, as well as soy caramel and togarashi mayo. As well, uh, we've got an albacore tuna tartare. Uh, there's a little bit of scallion pickled
0: cucumber on a shrimp crisp.
1: That's easy for him to say.
0: What? Uh, can you repeat back what he said? Nope, not at all. Okay. I'm
1: there was some tuna, and I remember that there is
0: uh, uh, something else. A dumpling, there's a vegetarian dumpling.
3: I'm sure we're we're going to taste it in a minute.
0: But the the one thing that I found interesting when I stopped by for lunch is I asked you just what it's like to prepare for an event like this. But how many dumplings have you been making to prepare for this event on top of running your restaurant, which is open? How many? When's your restaurant open?
2: Uh, So we're six days a week. So we close on Mondays and we're open uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and uh, for dinner on Sunday. Okay, and how many dumplings have you made this week preparing for this event? Uh, so 800 dumplings total, and that took a little bit of planning. Uh, the labor behind that is obviously very intensive, and, uh, yeah, we're happy to have it <laughs> finished in here.
1: So uh, so knowing that there was going to be labor intensive, why did you go with such a dish?
2: Uh, it's one of our favorites. It's uh, delicious. It's vegetarian, so basically anybody can can try it. And, you know, it's... One of those things that uh, it's kind of a pain to make but uh, when you're finished it's, it's delicious and it represents the restaurant well.
0: So you are a mainstay at these wine events I think I talked about at I4C and you served at a couple events last year your Korean duck wings I'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk about it too but what is the trick as a chef to preparing a dish for an event like this that is that stands out? Uh, so
2: You want to make it a little bit approachable, but it's got to have some kind of a twist. So those Korean duck wings, that was a process. It's 12-hour brine, 12-hour sous vide, and then fry. So you're almost 24 hours of preparation even before you you hit the fryer with it. So it's delicious. It's uh, one of our favorite dishes. So you you might see that again
0: this year as well. I can't wait. Uh, Well, thank you very much for bringing your fine restaurant to this event tonight. Thank you.
1: Well, Andrew was really interesting, and I, I enjoyed talking to him. You were more geeky than I was when you were talking to him.
0: Well, I think it's just when you need to, to bring a dish to an event like that, I, I think when you, you – you and I have both both entertained for people. I've been to your house when we've had like 10 people over. I've had 10 people over from my house, and it's a lot of work cooking for 10 people. Even if it's one or two dishes and it's only like a, a hors d'oeuvres side, I just find it amazing. A hors d'oeuvres? Yes, b- b- what you said. Uh, I, I, but I just, I find it amazing when you can bring something that's really high quality and just feel special when you put it on your plate. Um, and I think all those little dumplings that Andrew brought look fantastic.
1: Well, I was a little distracted, as you know. I
0: know, because right next to them.
1: Was that smokehouse?
0: Yes, that you, I don't think either, neither you nor I knew it existed until q
1: And I was... Like, I, I gotta go. I gotta go over there. And it was all you could do to, like, step on my foot and go, you can't go anywhere until we finish this interview.
0: We were over at Believe,
1: basically, and and he was talking about a vegetarian dish that he had, and then I just kind of looked next door, and there's brush fire smoke barbecue, and I was like, there's a place that's not going to have any kind of vegetarian. Let's walk over
4: there. But... Funny you say that, we do have vegetarians. Oh my god. But so we you're... also have a full brisket dish as well. Oh, you're a good man. Ooh, brisket, yeah. now you're speaking my language. Oh, exactly. Yeah.
1: So we are speaking to, you uh, can introduce yourself. Go ahead. Yeah, my
4: name is John Matier. I'm the chef here at uh, Brushfire Smoke, which is located at Oast House Brewers in Niagara on the Lake. Nice. All right. I, I had never heard of you. Um, I'd heard of Oast House, but yep. I guess. When did you guys get into Oast? So we opened last May, so we're brand new. Uh, we did our first summer uh, down here at the, at the brewery and it's been phenomenal, we had a great summer.
1: So what do, you, what do you do for your smoked barbecue? Like what do you make at, at the restaurant when you open? Yep,
4: yeah, so uh, our focus is American barbecue. We have a heavy Asian influence as well. So we use all the cookery of your typical American barbecue but put a lot of Asian spin on it. So fresh herbs, a lot of pickles, different seasoning and acidity to kind of balance the fattiness that you normally find in barbecue to make it less kind of heavy and a little bit more lighter and have a little bit more depth to it. How long do you cook your brisket for? We go 14 hours overnight. Uh, nice, nice. That's pretty yeah. good. So we do. A what, com- what kind
0: of wood do you use to
4: smoke it? So we use a combination of Ontario maple and agri-fruit wood. So particularly we use plum and apple.
1: Plum? I've never heard of plum. I've heard of peach. I've heard of apple. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of plum. Yeah. You must get it all.
4: We get it all. Yeah. Yeah, And (laughs) there's actually some on the table right here. So that's, that's it right there. Okay. But that's wood, not brisket. No, we got (laughs) to taste some of this brisket. So
1: right after we finish this interview, we're going to dive into some brisket if we possibly can. Absolutely.
0: So, I mean, I guess I understand that bringing barbecue to an event like this is a little bit easier. It's just how do you plan for how many briskets did you bring for the event tonight?
4: Uh, We brought eight briskets. Eight briskets cut down quite a bit so uh, they're about 15 pounds each so it's quite a bit of meat that we got uh, in our hot box over
1: there. So, and, Andre and I can probably finish some of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, we can help you out. <laughs> well, thank you very much for bringing your barbecue to uh, the event. We're looking forward to tasting it. Thank you. Thanks,
1: John. Mmm,
0: barbecue. I know and, and it's an obsession. Anyone who's following me on Instagram at Andre Weinerview knows I've got the uh, Traeger Smoker. Uh, I do a few briskets a year. It is a labor of love. Like, doing, doing a brisket, it, when I need a forced relaxation, I cook a brisket because I can't leave my house for at least 12 hours.
1: I, uh, I've i done one brisket. I don't know how you do it. I've done one, and I screwed it so badly. I, <laughs> I'm i like, I don't know if I want to make another. The interesting part of it is, though, it still tasted good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I it really screwed it s-
1: completely, but it was still a good-tasting brisket, and we... We froze some, and later on we added like gravies and stuff to it, and it really turned out. You could, cause like, I almost like rehydrated it when I cooked it back up, and it was really good. Yeah, I, I dried the sucker. Well,
0: maybe we'll have to do something with brisket on the, the podcast a whole nother time, cause that's a whole barbecue on that level and is Zinfandel. almost like religion. Yes, barbecue and Zinfandel is yep. fantastic. Um, speaking of big red wines, how's that for a, a segue? Oh, I nice. think. I think we're getting to... I know that he's a fan of the podcast. I know we're both fans of his wine. It was actually my favorite situation last year was when I went down to iSellers to visit Adnan and Elif to taste their 2015 Cab Sova that you gave five stars. Yeah. One of your only five-star reviews last year. And it was only just like
1: five-star review last year.
0: I needed to taste it to make sure that you weren't completely and utterly full of And um, turns out you weren't. Nope. So it was... Exciting to talk to Adnan about what he was bringing to uh cuvee this year.
1: And one of my favorite wines from him would have been on my list of favorite wines, but I had tasted it previously.
5: 2017 Uh 16, if you remember 70% was new oak. Yep. So I decided I need to cut back on the oak. So this is just 30% new oak. Made exact same way, whole cluster press, uh, barrel, uh, barrel fermented, barrel aged. 12 months, batonage, full batonage for 12 months. And it's very but it's very coarsely filtered about, I would say, uh, almost no filtration on this one. And so I, I wanted to not to mask the, uh, the <laughs> fruit.
1: So so people don't know who we're speaking to. It's Adnan Isel from iSellers one of those wineries that if you have not been to, you've got to get to. He's making some of the most fantastic red wines, but because Andre's here, we had to taste Chardonnay first.
5: Thank you, welcome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, the Chardonnay that you've made has always been very interesting and have always stood out at Cuvée, but this definitely shows a lot more restraint, certainly easier drinking at the beginning. It's uh, really... It's soft and balanced already, but still like nice presence of oak, good vanilla, good spice. good fruit. Good fruit. So I'm liking that. Yeah, I
5: like, sorry, I always say 17 was my dream vintage, all across the board, from Chardonnay to Pinot Noir, dream vintage.
0: Okay, Okay, for short name Pinot Noir, but your winery specializes in Bordeaux varieties, so...
5: Incredible ripeness, but I would say every year I notice one wine shines through in every vintage, but 17... I got my all wines, my perfect. Excellent. Uh, yeah.
1: So, what do you have in the red department tonight?
5: Uh, we have the 16 Arena, which you reviewed before, but it's aged nicely, uh, about 14 months in the bottle already. And it is uh, now, this time, it's a Merlot dominant Bordeaux blanc, and it has a little bit of Malbec also, and is the, the fourth grape in it.
0: Can we taste it?
1: so we're going to taste he's going to pour it into glasses now this should be like a golf thing so he's leaning back oh he's tipping the bottle andre is is actually trembling with excitement to try the wine so adnan tell us a little well you told us uh, 14 months you said it was merlot dominant yep. are you no. are, are you very happy with the 16
5: i'm so happy uh, that's super hot year uh, but you know uh, the yield was so small on this uh, wine Uh, and all the grapes across the board, but this is 14.5% alcohol, natural alcohol, No we don't capitalize our wines, so it's a big, big, big wine. Uh,
0: The tannin is still very fuzzy and grippy, but the fruit is front and center, so if you want to drink this young, you can, but this is a wine I would open at 9 in the morning, go to work, come home, and then have it with dinner.
1: I, w- I would definitely, need, it would need a decanter, but for myself, you know my, my feelings, I probably would just throw in a big glass and watch it develop over the course of an evening. Because I think, you know, three or four hours in that glass, sitting there.
5: I would uh, I would decant for a couple of hours, but not in the morning and <laughs> coming at night, nine, ten hours. I would decant for two hours and it will open up nicely. Uh, you- Do you taste that Merlot uh, fruit in that, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, The Merlot Merlot fruit is great. It's right up front, but those tannins are really nice and grippy. There's a little bit of vanilla in here. It really is a beautiful wine, Adnan. So thank you very much.
5: No problem. This is 100% estate fruit, and I'm so proud of this wine. (laughs) And we just released this wine yesterday.
0: Yeah.
1: And that is why it is at Cuvée
0: today. Well, Adnan,
5: how much does this cost? This is $42.
0: And a steal. $42? $42? Okay, let's go buy some. Okay, I'm on wine. Man, I, I really feel like uh, Adnan is is doing a lot of work and in investing and thinking about the correct ways to make wine. Because the Chardonnays he'd made previously were good, very tasty, well worth the price, and, and interesting, interesting wines. The Chardonnay that they were pouring at uh, Cuvée this year was just – it was special, refined, elegant. It just – it tasted more like what really good Chardonnay from Niagara is supposed to taste like. And I think we got to tip our hat to him.
1: And the interesting part is he's done half of it in cork and half of it under screw cap.
0: I know. I think you and I are going to have to touch on the, the cork and, and screw cap conversation. I don't want to call it a, a, a debate.
1: I don't think it's a debate. But, I mean, he's done half under one, half of an, under another just to do his own trial. But he's selling them, which is really interesting. So uh, if you go down, try the Chardonnay. Ask for a bottle of each, and then I would age them a couple of years and then just try them see him again. how they evolve. Yeah, yeah it's just cool. to see what's going on. Um,
0: so we then bumped into um, trouble,
1: uh, trouble one and trouble two.
0: Yeah, uh, the, one of the people who filled the co-host seat while I was away in in France. Uh, I'm gonna get you to try to say try to say her last name as we throw to this interview.
1: Baszalski. Is that it? I, yeah, Baszalski.
0: I don't really know how to say it either. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, we, we ran into Brittany and Yvonne from uh, Creekside and now Queenston Mile. Uh, just ask them what was what at Cuvée.
1: Andre, I'm here with um, Brittany and Yvonne from Creekside.
0: You're not going to try the last name?
1: No, I'm not going to do either names. No. We've already been through that. So Brittany took your place while you were away, and Brittany has said that she would always take your place, not just while you were away. Brittany, do you have anything more to say now that Andre is here about that?
3: I don't want to really diminish Andre's expertise and or his, like, main safe spot at the Pincus residence, but I'm pretty sure I've gotten in with the cat, right?
1: This is true. The cat loved her. He does not seem to love you as much.
0: What are you talking about? That cat loves me. That cat loves everybody.
3: There we go. not feeling very special right now, Michael. Sorry.
1: Sorry. Yvonne, tell us what you do at Creekside, because I think we've been very quiet about you, unfortunately.
6: Um, I'm the assistant winemaker at Creekside, so I Which work. Which means you do everything. Pretty much, yeah. So I tell Rob what to do, um, <laughs> and what to say, and what to say, and how we're going to make the wines. No, really, Rob and I uh, work together really well. Um, we've been working together since 2007, so we've kind of got a good repertoire going. And uh, both of us kind of have our our own things that we really like f- to focus on individually, but we like to come together on certain when things. Is the My baby. The Chardonnay uh, for Queenston Mile is kind of my baby.
5: Um,
1: you got to at least give me a little tap that you're going to come onto the mic so I can get it over to you.
0: Yvonne, who are you pouring for tonight and what are you pouring?
6: I am pouring for Creekside tonight, and I'm pouring our uh, Sauvignon Blanc Semillon blend from 2017 and our 2016 Broken Press Syrah.
1: And Brittany, who are you pouring for tonight and what are you pouring?
6: I'm pouring for everybody I love. So I have
3: Creekside and Queenston tonight. So Queenston's pouring our 2015 Blanc de Noir, which you have no exposure to. And then our uh, 2017 Pinot, which every tank sample Rob's pulled, I have finished every last bottle. So we're really excited to have it out tonight.
1: Actually, had your um, Queenston Mile Blanc de Noir last night. Yeah. And the cat did too, because he knew you were part of it, so he was all over it. I did not. You did not, and you missed Sparkling Wine Friday once again. Thank you, ladies.
3: Nice to see you guys. Have a great night.
1: Well, Andre, you know what we haven't talked about? Is we haven't talked about our favorite wines, and we have a few more <laughs> uh, interviews to go, but I thought, uh, why don't we reveal them five through one yes. between each interview now before we introduce them? How okay. about that? We can, we can never do enough, that. We have enough to get all the way to the bottom and end and with one.
0: So we... Um what we did is we've both written our five favorite wines in no particular order except number 1
1: No, I did mine in order. I did, got, yours in I order? did mine in okay. no. order. Yeah.
0: I couldn't rank mine, so I'm I'm better than you. Oh. Uh, but I we've given that's e- true. we've given each other's lists blind and we're going to reveal them one at a time just to get the reaction of what the other person thought and we may be swearing at each other over choices. But I mean the wine lineup this year was solid. So, so here I go.
1: Uh, Andre's number 5 is Jesus, is this handwriting, or did you... you, The 2016 Megalomaniac uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. That would be the Reserve.
0: Yeah, the Reserve. Yeah,
1: I I had previously tasted that one, so it didn't make my list for... Basically, I do new wines that I've tried, but yes, that is an awesome
0: one. Oh, like like full, wide-open throttle. Yep. um, Perfect, ripe, black uh, fruit, a little bit of red fruit, cherry in there, nice smoked cocoa notes. Um... But just the restraint and cool climate finish. Uh, I know John Howard owns a part of Chateau La Confession in Saint-Emilion. He's got to be really thrilled. I don't want to say that it's a a Bordeaux-style wine, but it's just like it's Ontario at the top of its game with Bordeaux varietals.
1: What Sebastian Jacquet is doing there is amazing.
0: Oh, Michael's number five is the 2015 Taz Robin's Block Chardonnay.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. No, I do know why. It was such a good bottle of Chardonnay, one of the ones that I went, hmm. So it's one of those wines, uh, for me, coming into it going, I'm not going to like this, tasting it going, I like it, sip number two, I really like it. Uh, sip number three, man, I could drink that all night. So that was... Yeah, I, right I actually wine.
0: find Robin's Block is, is usually like that. I actually did not get a chance to taste that at the event. There were that too many wines bad. to taste. Yeah, that's too bad.
1: So our next interview that we Speaking did... Speaking of Chardonnay. ...is another person who filled the chair.
0: While I was gone, yeah.
1: And that's Kelly Mason. And she's always a little nervous when she gets on the mic. I think she did all right. Another one of your replacements on the podcast, Kelly
0: Mason. Hello, Kelly
1: again.
3: Hi, nice to be here in the middle of- you ready? Yeah, she's got oh goodness, the. She's is so spontaneous.
0: The worst part about that podcast was it's all people whose wines I really wanted to taste, and I just felt like you were doing it to rub it in that I was away. Oh, I did it on purpose.
1: I know. All I need is Morgan Juniper to be here tonight, and I'm all <laughs> over this.
0: Uh, yeah, I got nothing to say to that. But we're joined by Kelly and
1: Kelly. You just went through like a huge
0: bottling. Uh,
1: So how how is that? Like in the middle of of winter, basically in the cold, you're out bottling and that's usually outside.
3: Yeah, it was. And I think I'm learning never say yes. So uh, basically somebody said, can you bottle in February? And I said, yeah, sure. No problem. Let's do it. Uh, You can't really bottle in February unless you're the size of Peller or Henry of Pelham because you need to store glass. You need to uh, also have enough tanks to move everything around. We didn't have enough room. So I had to logistically bring trucks in at night, trucks out in the morning, trucks back in at night. So I just did thir- uh, 26 wines out of 30. Wow, all
1: right. So I think both Andre and I have uh, the, uh, the Domaine Calus, the uh, Pinot in our glass, the 16, anything to say about it?
3: Um, the 16 Pinot, okay. I got a lot of Pinot on the brain. Okay. Um, make sure that comes out clear. But honestly, I do because we're getting ready to bottle for the farm as well. So a few Pinot Noirs there. Um, yeah. So, so
0: we've talked a lot about no. We've talked a lot, about, a lot about like bottling in general. So out of all these wines, let's just break it down. How many bottles of wine is that you've bottled? Not in cases, but like bottles.
3: Yeah. I ju- oh bottles. Well, I just did sixty-eight thousand, like five hundred for Domaine Kaluz, and then about eleven thousand for Hansberger, and uh, the farm is coming in at uh, seven thousand.
1: So who are you pouring tonight?
3: Uh, I'm pouring for Domaine Calus. We're doing a 2016 Cab Franc, which I really love that wine, so come over and taste it. Um, and then the 2016 Pinot Noir, which I haven't even had in my glass yet since I've arrived. I've had some sparkling. Yeah, I haven't had it in forever.
1: Gosh. Not that I know of. Only si- in the head. Yeah, only on the head, exactly. I better not be sick. I'm on my way to Washington on Thursday, so oh, I can't, it again. can't be sick. Oh,
3: maybe
0: I'll, get someone to, maybe I'll get someone to guest host while you're gone to Washington without me.
1: Who would you get, Andre? Some guy? Shut up, Michael. Are we done? Kelly, do you have anything else to say?
3: Yeah, we haven't talked about wine yet. Yeah, I think I'm just remembering now because 16 was obviously a really hot year, so the challenge with that was to keep it restrained and not to get it to go to dry fruit or over-extract it. Uh, I think it's still really young um, to be pouring, even here tonight. Uh, I think it needs some time, honestly. Um, I do like it. I think we did okay, considering how hot it was.
1: (laughs) She's, She's... She's very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it's okay. It's a delicious wine. And she's like, eh, yeah, it's okay.
0: It's a really good Pinot. In, in a hot vintage like 2016, is it hard to keep the acids up in Pinot?
3: Yeah, it totally is. And you have to do two things. So either you pick really early and hope you have phenolic ripeness. If you don't, then you have to obviously leave it hang longer because I really feel like you have to have, it's not just sugars, you have to have the, the flavors there. So if you do that and you leave it hang, you might lose your acid. So then you gotta make sure that when you get your must in, hit it hard with acid right off the hop. Like you have to manage your pH as well. So that's it's, t- it's tough with, wine make- with uh, indigenous like ferments. So.
0: Did you catch all that for your
1: winemaking practices?
0: I, I did that, but I, we got really nerdy really quickly. Right,
3: okay. um, so let's go back to your question. <laughs> we're
1: gonna retake that one just in okay, case. Just cut that right, right. She's, we're gonna cut it, but not cut it.
3: No, I
0: a lot of people listening to this podcast would understand most of what you said, but if you could dumb it down, not for me, but for Michael, we would greatly appreciate it.
1: I understood they hit it hard with acid because I know people who grew up in the 60s. Yeah,
3: yeah. No, your question is really valid. On a really hot year in Ontario, you, you do have to watch for acid when you pick. Luckily, though, we're like nine times out of ten. We're still a cool climate. We're still okay. So, in 16, we had a lot of heat, but we still have acid in our wine. Just don't let it hang for too, too long. That's all. I don't know. Are yeah. you happy with that answer? Yeah, I, I don't know. You could listen to
1: it. Okay, yeah. she's going to like that answer. I'm
3: it al- you know what my perfect. answer is? It depends, Andre. It always depends.
1: <laughs> depends. An old person's undergarment.
0: Yeah, okay. That's what you're wearing tonight. Yes. You know, I'm going to keep using that line from now on when people get too technical to have people dumb things down, not for me, but for you. What term was that? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, Kelly got pretty technical with some of her winemaking, but it's always fun to have someone on uh, who knows the wines frontwards, backwards, inside out. Oh, yeah.
1: she's, And she's doing so much, yet she can still think back to that winery, that vintage, that she's, uh, she's a consummate professional.
0: All right, Michael. Your wine number four was the Chateau de Charm twenty sixteen Paul Bosque Estate Pinot Noir. It's really funny that that was on the cusp of making my top five. Uh, I think that may be in the ten years that I've been tasting wine and writing about wine, the best Pinot Noir I've ever tasted from the Niagara Peninsula. Definitely
1: the best I've ever had from uh, Chateau de Charme. Uh Oh I hell think yeah! Emily has nailed that wine, and she was so proud. Uh, when she was telling me about it, how she made it, what she did to it, um, the, the the barrels. I had no idea that you'd get a low tannin potential barrel. Okay. Did you know that?
0: Uh, well, there's quite a bit of tannin in that wine, but it's just really well integrated and but, ready to go. Like well, What she was
1: using was a, what they call a low tannin potential barrel, and I thought, she's nailed that wine. It is so bloody good.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um and, and a perfect reflection of that hot 2016 summer while still maintaining its beautiful Niagara acidity.
1: And speaking of women winemakers, we spoke to yet another. I'm so glad that we got you. Oh, I got to get your number four. Yeah, that's okay. Before I do this. Oh, the 2016 Ice Cellars Arena. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that one. I don't know what else to say. Like no, uh, we've so, talked about Ice Cellars, yep. he's making some great wine. If you haven't been to Ice Cellars, get your ass out there and, yep. uh, and and taste the wines. There's not much more we can say than that.
0: So you were about to throw to uh, one of my favorite people to talk to in the wine industry, and that's uh, Shauna from Adamo. Yes, and uh,
1: we really are throwing to a lot of women winemakers, and that's that's really wonderful that you finally allowed women on the show, Andre.
0: Oh, shut up, Michael.
6: Shauna wait. That is
1: correct. She knows her own name still. It's not that late in the evening.
6: And you're still wearing pants.
1: I am still wearing pants. At this time of the evening, usually, I'm not wearing any pants. <laughs> Hello, Shauna. How are you?
6: Excellent. Thank you very much. Shauna, who are you pouring for? Well, Adamo Estate Winery. And today we have our 2017 viognier Roussanne blend.
1: Where did you get these grapes from?
6: So these grapes are sourced from Bach Vineyard, which is in St. David's Bench. And uh, we harvested them separately. According to flavors, acid and obviously delicious flavor and sugar. But um, we blended the two together after alcoholic fermentation and stainless steel, and they went down to two year old French oak barrels. They spent six months in barrel before we brought them back up and got them ready for bottling.
1: No, I'm maybe it's just my palate at the moment. I am uh, picking up a little bit of sweetness here. Is it fruit sweetness or is there a little bit of sweetness behind? It?
6: No, there's about Five grams residual sugar. Um, we did have some partial malolactic, and um,
0: it definitely tastes like more than five. But it's like a fresh, like ripe peach sort of. Yeah,
1: there's juicing. a little tropical juiciness to this wine, and I'm trying to figure out what. What's That's going on. the
6: Viognier. That's the beautiful aromatics and ripeness of the Viognier. So the ripeness of the Viognier gives you that weight and that fruit-driven quality, but. When you test it, it's actually only 5 grams. You got a bit of sweetness from the French oak as well, the vanilla in there too. And so you perceive more sugar than is actually there. I also see
1: you have a red at the table, a a straight Petit Verdot. Should we try that too?
6: Absolutely. Petit Verdot comes from Edge Rock Vineyard, so it's the only significant south-facing slope on Vine Mountain Ridge area. Lots of sunshine for that grape. And it performed really well in 2015, really well-balanced, really fruit-driven, and good, right tannins.
1: You're actually doing a lot with Edge Rock, from what I saw. You also have a Merlot from Edge Rock.
6: Yes, we have in the past. Uh, moving forward, we no longer get fruit from that vineyard. We're unable to, so that's an unfortunate thing for us because we really love that site. But Megalomaniac, they uh, they own that s- or lease that site now, so you have to look for theirs.
1: Oh, well, that's so much to take that out of, though. Anyway.
0: Let, let's, let's get the Petit Verdot.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, Andre, Andre's all over We're getting the Petit Verdot at the moment, so uh, I'm going to have to uh, keep talking, or you could.
6: Absolutely. So the Petit Verdot, is 2015, and we have 7.5% Merlot from Edge Rock Vineyard that's a Passiamento blended in as well. It was uh, barrel-aged for 16 months in French Oak and 30% New Oak.
1: Keep going. We're drinking now.
6: Okay, you guys enjoy this fruit-driven wine that's got a little bit of residual sugar.
0: Apart from the, uh, the nerdy questions about the wines that we got here, One thing I found amazing when I visited the winery. Michael, have you been to the winery yet?
1: I have not been to Adama yet.
0: How many different wines do you have in the portfolio right now?
6: Oh, of course you have to ask that question. So we have many different SKUs because we believe in small batch and we believe in recognizing each parcel in the vineyard. So we have 55 different SKUs. That being said, we don't sell all 55 at one time. We have about 26 on the shelf that we offer at any given time. And that number fluctuates a little bit depending on the season and what we have available and what's going on at the winery.
1: How do you keep that all straight?
6: That's my passion. I love having all my separate little things that I think are super special. And so we baby each and every barrel. And then when we do our blending process is when we decide, okay, this is something really super unique. Let's keep these two barrels separate and do a little one-off, one-batch blend of this stuff. Similar to, like, microbrews and how they'll do a one-off every now and again of some interesting beers. That's what we like to do at Adamo. Do
1: you have a dog or a cat?
6: I have two dogs and three cats. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> the cool thing about a demo is the whole thing just feels like an evil wizard's workshop. Like, there are so many different wines available there, and a lot of them are just in tiny batches. Uh, it's still, I, I think I need to say, like, evil wizardry because that Rusan blend that that sean has made it tastes like there's residual sugar in that. and
1: she says there's not it was really tasty though and like, i i really tasty.
0: i absolutely believe her like there's no reason to lie about yeah. residual sugar in a room full of people yeah. that would be able to, to, to call you on that but like it's 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 just a really tasty b- bottle of wine and that's as things are warming up like that's something i really want to have on my patio this yeah, summer that's a
1: drink for the summer wine all right so i guess Thanks. i have to do your three before i forget again so i have Jesus, you have the handwriting of a doctor. You've got the wrong calling.
0: Uh, and, and my writing is on the labels of the wines for the, the company that I run. So, two,
1: 2015 Queenston Mile. Uh, I'm assuming that's Blonde Noir. Yes. And yeah, that's a great bottle of sparkling
0: wine. Just got this complexity, the uh, acidity a on mineral that. Mineral note. Uh, it's, it's just got like a kind of a, a savoriness.
1: But they, sure. what really got me is the first... My first sip of that wine ever was just so much acidity. It was like a punch in the face of green apple and lime. And you're like, holy. And then it's it's just, it's just everything I want in a bottle of sparkling.
0: Uh, your number three is the Cassaba 2016 Reserve Series Syrah. Uh, they're definitely knocking it out of the park with Syrah at Cassaba, yeah. always. Yeah, and that
1: one's by uh, Vadim. And yep. uh, what he did, uh, what he went through to make that wine... Uh, I, I couldn't even uh, repeat, but I mean, he put it in this barrel, and he put it in that barrel, and for four months, it sat in that kind of barrel, and then, and then but it's uh, basically uh, from all the three blocks of Syrah, and uh, it really is a pretty you know, awesome We'll, we'll one. have
0: to get Vadim on the on the podcast. I know he listens regularly. He's done some work with me. He is no longer doing work with us, because he is the head winemaker at Cassava, yep. and it would be... Uh, Exciting to talk to him about what's going on at Casaba. And
1: what's it it like to uh, talk about uh, or make uh, Syrah on such a a large level? Speaking of Syrah.
0: I know, this is such a good uh, segue. I'm going to let you do it, though. I'm going to let you do it. It's too good.
1: Because uh, I just looked at the list, and then the next person we're talking about is uh, is Syrah, if he was French, but he's not. So <laughs> we're talking to Shiraz Motiar of uh, Malivore. We're standing here with one of my favorite winemakers. Mine too. And uh, we're with Shiraz Motiar of uh, Malivore. I'm going to ask you about Gamay afterwards, but you've poured us something nice and pink, and because summer is coming, spring, we promise. Spring is, here. spring is officially here. Yeah. Spring yeah. is officially here, but summer will be coming and I will be putting lots of this stuff Into in. My the microphone, glass. Michael, I, I oh, sorry. I might keep wanting to I'm just not used to it yet. So <laughs> this is our first podcast ever, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. You guys yeah. are rocking it. <laughs> <laughs> well we've upgraded our equipment from the last Q V, so hopefully this sounds better than the one we did a couple years ago.
1: So Shiraz, tell us what we have in our glass.
7: Alright, you have uh, you have something different than what I have in my glass. Yeah, well. <laughs> You have uh, the 2018 Vivant Rosé.
1: And how did the rosés turn out from
7: 2018? Absolutely quite good. Uh, lovely um, nose, very aromatic, but also a nice herbaceousness and really a savory texture to it as well. Uh, savory flavors and, and even a little bit of tannin too. So it's uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty dry and rich, but not overly rich. Like more in terms of length, it's really got some, it carries well.
0: I'm pretty excited. It's really candied fruity. What's the grape in it? All Pinot Noir, awesome. Now, <clears throat> how many different roses are Malivar making right now? Not enough. <laughs> we
1: make- Wait, isn't that is making? Is it are making or is making?
7: How many are we making? Yes, are, are, yeah. How
1: much is Malivore making? Anyway, doesn't matter.
7: Doesn't okay. Matter. We're making uh, three uh, uh, dry roses and one sparkling rose. And if it was up We're to making-
1: you, how much more would you make? I'd
7: make one more. I'd like to make a Gamay rosé.
1: Oh, I like what he's thinking.
7: Yeah, but right now we make uh, ro- our ladybug, which uh, you know, uh, our crushable. big, our our biggest yet yeah, crushable, uh, which is Cab Franc, uh, Pinot, and Gamay, and then the two Pinot Noir rosés are the Vivon, which you're having now, and the Moira rosé, so that's single vineyard, and uh, and then the, the sparkling Bizou rosé, which is also all Pinot.
1: Do you have any questions before I break into my Gamay questions?
7: How much more rosé will you be putting into
0: big bottles? Because that's the best thing that you've done, I think, last year <laughs> or the year before.
7: I, uh, I this is what I can say. I put every single one of our wines into big bottles this year, so all three of our rosés are now in magnum.
1: Andre's eyes just like lit up. So uh, I do have to ask because you, you consistently make some of my favorite gamays in the entire province. How do you do it?
7: Oh shoot! Well. <laughs> If uh, the focus, I think focus is key. The reality is that is my number one red that I make. Pinot Noir, we've all we've 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 pretty much focused it, that on rosé. So my big red is Gamay. That's what I'm making. There's a moment in time during harvest when every single one of my tanks is full of Gamay, and all I'm thinking about is Gamay. And so if you're always focused on Gamay and that's your number one priority, I think that that's half the battle. And then the second part of it is just having great fruit. So our growers and the stuff that we grow is second to none. So
1: then the question is, do you make enough Gamay or do you see another one coming down the pipeline?
7: I would love to make a few other fun Gamays on top of it. But for now, I just see the, uh, the three or four. So every now and then I, I bring out a fourth one, uh, which is like all carbonic maceration, kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll max at four. Uh, I don't think we'll go any further than that. I don't have anything else to add.
1: All right, we're done with you. Thanks very much. Yeah, <laughs> painless. I absolutely love Shiraz, both the winemaker and the
0: grape. I love that they put everything in big bottles. Yeah, well,
1: I, you know what I really like about Shiraz is uh, that he's making those great gamets, but didn't have any with him. I know. So uh, I had to settle for that fantastic rosé. And and really, that, that was my first... I'm going to say my first rosé of the season, my first sip of a good rosé this season. And it's going to be a great rosé season as long as winter is now finally over.
0: You know, it's it's really cool how Malivore have taken ownership of uh, rosé, having all yep. the different variations Three, of different it. Kinds. And also the Gamay, which you and I both love. Like um, the 2015 Malivore Courtney Gamay is one that I have a 200-word tasting note on my website where it's just like, um I'm done trying to compare Ontario Gamay to Beaujolais, even though it's always going to be in, in homage. It's yeah. just between Chateau de Charmes and Thirteenth Street and Malabar, we have people doing their own thing where it's not trying to be Beaujolais. It's evolved beyond that.
1: Yeah. We uh, Malabar for me heads the list of uh of Gimme.
0: right, Michael, your number two is the Cave Spring Brute.
1: Uh, I just love that wine. And uh, talking to Angelo Pavan. Um, it's a Blonde de blanc. it is a Blonde de blanc. It's, it's non-vintage but the base is 2015 oh cool and uh, he just does it so they can back blend but I mean it's 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 a K.A. wine cool yours is the uh, 13th Street 2016 Blonde de blanc which you gave 98 points to. Unbelievable.
0: I gave 99 points to oh, it. Oh, well, that makes it even more better. Okay, that's not a real score in case someone is listening to this and actually transcribing scores. It is a fantastic wine. Um, and as ridiculous as that score from the Toronto Star is, I mean, the tasting note definitely holds true. Like, it's a really exciting, wine. It's, it's a good wine. wine, just
1: way overscored, but a very good sparkling wine. And, and,
0: and, and, and just, you know, when you hear about Lee's aging. Uh, I'm starting to think that you know when we're when we're trying to talk about like I think it's just once again we're trying to compare to old world champagne. You know, Dom Pérignon, ten years on Lee's average, blah blah blah. That we forget about how great a sparkling wine can be with a little bit less time on Lee's yeah, like twelve the, months. I think that was yeah. yeah.
1: All right, so we have uh, one more uh, interview, and it is the guy from Trias. So. Stay with us. It is it is an accent. It is Australian. Uh, I know a lot of people like the Australian accent, and, and I think Craig pulls it off quite well. Okay, so this thing is on again, and this is our last one of the evening. And we're here with Craig McDonald. Hey boys, how's it going? It took us a while to track you down. We've been a little bit stalkerish tonight, going where's Craig and
8: and you found me in front of Trias. Go figure. You were here before. I know the awards. The awards one, right? So I was next door. So good to Bruce. Uh, you're Bruce you're picked up. The the, you're
0: account. in front of the whole family. The Strius Gretzky, yeah. uh, 30 bench, and uh, is that Peller back? Yeah, we got the whole family, four of us yeah. here.
8: Yeah, it's great. All here, one team united for everyone. He says with a smirk.
0: <laughs> so do you want to ask the jerk question or should I do it? Go ahead. You can do it this time. I did it the last one. What's your favorite wine you've got here tonight? And that's what we should be tasting. Ah, good question. Actually, well,
8: I really like Emma's sparkling Riesling. I think that's really unique. I, I love that. It's very dry. That's from Thirty Bench. Thirty Bench. It's going really well with the uh, Tide and vine oysters. So I got into that pretty early on. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm making my way around the room. You gotta, you gotta be honest, right? The bubbles and oysters. You really got to start there, right? Um, I actually tried Shiraz. Uh, his new uh, Pinot Rosé 18, first Rosé out of the blocks uh fantastic looks amazing so highly recommend that
1: people were taking pictures so i had to mug <laughs> it's
8: good such a smile michael thank
1: you very much so uh anything new coming from hey i was gonna ask that question no this is my turn you oh, did yeah. it at the last <laughs> one okay anything new coming out that you're really excited <laughs> from any of the, the wineries
8: yeah, well, we did our Blanc de Blanc at Trius, as you guys know, um, so that's four years on Lees. We only disgorged uh, half, so there's another half downstairs. So I'm pretty excited to see what an extra two years of aging will do. So we'll be launching that, well, it won't be for another nine or ten months, but uh, that's really exciting to see long-term aging on sparkling. So that, that's what I'm excited about, guys. I don't have it here
0: for you, but uh, come by and we'll, we can crack one. You can see.
8: So a
1: sparkling wine.
0: So non wine wise though, I mean you've just, everything is up and running at Gretzky, is there any exciting expansions or you know secret underground coolers that you have people tasting wine in popping up at any of the wineries? Uh, well you know we've always got some skunk
8: works going on right, We're lots of interesting stuff that I don't tell my boss about, um, but John Peller loves it so that's why we do it. Uh, yeah we've done some uh, non-vintage red blending, some longer term aging of red wines, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, we've played around with some uh, fortification of ice wine as well, so we've got ice wine in barrel fortified. No, um, with Gretzky, uh, nah, with Gretzky Yes, that's right, with, with some Gretzky. So that's hot off the press. I've never actually told anyone that. So uh, we go. got it here first. Yeah. Get it? Get a little
1: booze in them, and you'll tell us anything.
8: Am I might get into trouble with that for that one. I don't know yet, but that's uh, it's always fun. The fun stuff is what keeps you going, right? So you make the wine, but you also hey Evan. <laughs> you also <laughs> have fun along the way, and that's the best part is the experiments and the fun stuff, yeah.
1: So what Andre's probably chomping at the bit is, do you have any good Chardonnay coming out?
8: Yeah, well, we just blended the 18s uh, about six weeks ago, and they won't be released, you know, obviously it's all the fall, but they look really good from last year. It was a bit of a cool year, as you guys know, 18, but the whites look stunning. So they're really, really sharp, very fresh and focused. 18 Chardonnays. You say 18 was a cool year? Yeah, it was cool. in the... In the fall, that's what you're talking
3: about.
8: Yeah.
1: Because you you, you, you actually, if I'm not mistaken, you like to consider your vintage when you're harvesting, not during the growing season, although you are concentrating on the growing season as well.
8: It was a bit rainy and cool throughout the growing season in the beginning, but then it warmed up in the fall. Like We had a very, very warm fall, but it was a bit wet as well. So we got a bit of everything, but the whites look stunning. So in those years where you find things struggle a bit, that's where you get the character. So, you know, sometimes the really, really hot, dry growing seasons, you don't get that character. They're a little more one dimensional. So with the changing sort of seasons that we're getting, I think that really adds to the complexity of the wine. Makes it a bit interesting. So, and keeps us on our toes. That's for sure.
0: Man, I I really enjoy talking to, talking to Craig. He is, he's, he's, he really seems to enjoy What he's doing. I mean, all the winemakers seem to do it, but he always just seems relaxed. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen him like stressed. Like nothing bugs or anything. It's yeah,
1: Yeah, it's all that laid back attitude, I guess, that the Australians have.
0: So you know, I want to before we get to our number one wines, I want to thank everyone who took the time to speak with us at at Cuvee. Mark your calendar for next year. Definitely go to the event. I'm really glad that we got to talk about the food this year, which is, I think, something that um, as wine writers we tend to overlook at at these events.
1: So I'm just I'm going to quickly recap your five, and okay. then and then get to your number one. So okay. you have the 2016 Megalomania Cabernet Sauvignon Reserve. You have the 2016 Ice Sellers Arena. You have the 2015 Queenston Mile Blanc de Noir. You have the 13th Street 2016 Blanc de Blanc. I see a pattern going there. And, and you now, have, you finally, have, oh. no, you, you, I'll get your number one. And Andre's number one is the 2017 Peller, Peller Signature Series. Oh, well, that's Andrew Peller Signature Series Sauvignon Blanc, $31.95. Yep. That's the first one you ever put a price on, too.
0: I just wanted to remember what the, the, the price was.
1: So, yeah, it's 2017 Andrew Peller Signature Series Sauvignon Blanc. I find that a surprising, uh,
0: number one, but? Um, it was just this intense concentration, tropical flavors, a little bit of like smokiness to it. Um, it stood out. It it stood out in the best possible way at, at Cuvée for me, and I am going to rush to Peller to pick up a bottle of that to enjoy. Yes. I, I really need to. So let's recap yours, Michael. Number five, we had the Taz uh, 2015 Robbins Block Chardonnay. So that's uh, one Chardonnay for you. Uh, the Chateau de Charme 2016 Paul Bosque Estate Pinot Noir, one that I agree with. That probably would have been my number six. The Cassaba 2016 Reserve Series Syrah.
1: Would have been your number seven.
0: <laughs> okay, some, something <laughs> along there. Cave, cave Spring Brut. There's your second Chardonnay. Two of your five are Chardonnay.
1: I have a one sparkling wine.
0: And your number one. The Fogler 2016 Picon Vineyard Cab Franc, that was in my top 10 as well. I
1: loved this wine, and it was interesting because you and I talked about it last year, which was the 2015. Yes. You liked it. I thought it was way over-oaked. I thought the 16 Marc pistor has actually come with a nice balance of 15% a French, 15% American oak. I think he's really done a gorgeous job on this 16.
0: Well, and it's another one of those uh, Bordeaux varietals that um, isn't trying to be Bordeaux. This is a beautiful expression of Ontario. 2016 was a monster hot summer and really easy if you wanted to make a Bordeaux wine. That was the year to do it. This still has, like, it, it, it's embraced that elegance and that little bit of savory note that you get from the Cab Franc, which can often be pummeled from a hot summer into, like, non-existence. Yeah.
1: To, to me, this was the, uh, if I gave out a most improved wine award, that would be it. And when I said 15%, that was new. 15% new French, 15% new American, so he has got a nice little sweetness to it. That the American oak gave it, but it's got that elegance. I thought this was the complete package for
0: me uh, for a Cabernet Franc. So now we can start thinking about I four C. We can start
1: thinking about I four C. My God, no, I don't want to think. I mean, about summer's that. coming. Summer is coming. I would like to talk more rosé.
0: Uh.
1: You got a rosé coming out, but we'll talk about that at another time. Yeah, yeah, we should we, send it home. This,
0: yeah, we'll do that. Uh, I'm Andre Prue from AndreWineReview.ca. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Leave a review. Give us five stars. We will appreciate it.
1: I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Good night. Thanks for listening.
0: Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.